Join us now for Education Matters, a weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina. Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm Keith Poston. North Carolina public schools have about $8 billion in construction, renovation, and repair needs. Cracked walls, outdated inefficient heating and cooling systems, and school grounds that look a lot more like trailer parks due to the number of mobile classroom units that are all too common. And now new school building requirements are being proposed to enhance school security. How will all these important needs be funded? Today on the show, we hit the road to Rockingham County to see some of the needs ourselves and talk to the superintendent and the sheriff. Then we continue our discussion in studio by talking with a representative from the County Commission Association and another school system superintendent, all on today's show. As always, before we open up with our main topic, we open with our headlines, a quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the U.S. The Republican leadership of the General Assembly unveiled its 2018-2019 state budget on Monday night. In an unprecedented move, the budget was released as a conference report, not as a regular bill, meaning no amendments or changes will be allowed. The budget includes a 6.5% increase in teacher pay, a modest increase over what was already in the budget from last year, including a $70 a month raise for the state's most veteran teachers. The budget also included some additional base pay for principals and a one-year extension of the hold harmless provision we discussed on last week's show to prevent principals from taking a pay cut under the new plan created last year. Legislators also extended by four years the controversial virtual charter school pilot program. These two for-profit online schools have posted dismal academic performance and high student withdrawal rates in their first three years. Now on the school safety front, a number of measures were included in the budget. The Republican budget will spend $35 million next year to improve school safety, far less than the $130 million plan Democratic Governor Roy Cooper proposed. Republicans have said their plan is just a first step, and they also plan to seek more money from the federal government through, the Medica through Medicaid to help pay for mental health and other services. Finally, a bill that would allow four more affluent, predominantly white suburban communities outside Charlotte to create their own town-run charter school districts exclusively for their residents is poised to become law. House Bill 514, introduced by Representative Bill Brawley, a Republican from one of those communities, Matthews, passed the House last year. As a local bill, if passed by the Senate, it will become law without the governor's signature. Representative Brawley said last week that the time for stopping the bill is over. Remember, you can visit the Public School Forum's website at ncforum.org, click on Education Matters, and read more about each of the headlines as well as other topics we cover each week. As I said at the top of the show, today's focus is on school building needs across the state. So we took a field trip to Rockingham County in Reedsville High School. Take a look. We're in Rockingham County today talking about school infrastructure needs, and with us is the superintendent of Rockingham County Schools, Dr. Rodney Shotwell. Rodney, thanks for uh, being with us today. Appreciate you coming out, Keith. Absolutely. It's nice to be here in, in Reedsville High School. Um, you know, one of the things that we wanted to highlight on the show today is infrastructure needs and building needs. The state of North Carolina, according to the Department of Public Instruction, has about $8 billion in needs right now statewide in terms of new buildings, uh, upgrades, renovations, repairs. What does the situation look like in Rockingham County? Uh, with the last uh, survey that we did, it was about $126 million in needs between 
replacement of schools or renovations and upgrades. Right. And so for, for a number like that, I mean, this is, you know, the, you know Rockingham County is not, a, is not a wealthy county. I mean, it's, it's a, sort of, would be considered more of a low wealth county, certainly, uh, in terms of the amount of resources that are available here. Can uh, Rockingham County provide those kind of resources? It's tough because, you know, we do have support, mm -hmm. uh, but when you're looking at the tax base, when you're looking at the industrial base to be able to bring in other types of revenue, you know, we're working on that and I think we're making some headway, but right now there's no way in the world that we can meet those massive needs that we have for our schools. And as you know, one of the, the General Assembly is looking at a possible school bond to put on the ballot that would bring uh, just shy of $2 billion you know, statewide. Um, what would that mean for uh, you as a superintendent and for the students here in Rockingham County? Well, definitely it would help us with, uh, I think we would get about $18 million out of that proposal, and then there would be a match. So you're talking about probably about 30 to $40 million. So we're talking about a couple of school replacements uh, and or uh, several renovations that are definitely needed to be ADA compliant and just simply upgrading a lot of the HVAC. And I'm gonna take you around Reedsville High School and show you some places where we have done some upgrades uh, and where we need some. This school was built when? In the 1960s? In the 1960s. And we've got a few additions that were built in the 70s and in the late 80s and early 90s, but the core structure of the school was built in the 1960s. All right, well, let's talk a little bit. We'll go, we'll go look around. We'll talk a little bit more about some of the needs here in the county and right here at Reedsville High School. So, okay, sounds like a plan. So this is this, this system here, this boiler, this is a 50-year-old uh, year old, uh, old heating system. And then even the lights. Now, these particular lights were replaced in the early 1990s, but you know we could do so much better now with the LED lights. It, it's basically plexiglass, and then you've got this square down here, and that's the only thing between the kids being inside here and the elements outside. So from a heating and cooling perspective right. is, is problematic. This was one of the ways that they circulated air. They would slide these windows back and have the air moving. So, so this, this, is the, this, is the, this is part of the, the uh, HVAC system or uh, uh, sliding these plastic windows open? Yes. When we have 30, 35 kids in a classroom at a high school, it gets really tight because the classrooms that are here, they're long and they're narrow. Right. And so if you compare that to a newer school, there's probably about two to 300 square foot more room. A door like this would have to be replaced. And so that's, so you're talking about $5,500 just for this entryway here. We're trying to figure out a way to create a perimeter that could keep people who don't belong here out. And when you look here at this campus, one of the proposals was to that we take all the Florida style building, that's what everybody refers to this architecture as, take it all down and then we would put back up a two-story building here in its place. Both of our gyms, neither one of them have air conditioning. I don't see how, I tell you, I don't see how you, uh, how, how you play basketball uh, in this heat. <laughs> well, you can see but here, when you come in was, here, okay. the doors are wide open. Hey guys. Dr. Shotwell, one of the things when in a, from a school, school security perspective is, is controlling entranceways. Looks like there's a lot of doors into this building. It is. There, there are 104 exterior doors that have access into various parts of the school. Right. So that's, again, from, from infrastructure investments, that's the kind of thing going to take a lot of money to sort of either uh, lock those or figure out different ways to get in. Absolutely. And when you look at the new high schools that are being built, even though they do have doors that are at the end of each hallway, 
they really funnel everybody through that front door. And if a student leaves the classroom, they can be under the same roof anywhere they go. Here, you know, we got students coming, leaving one building, going to the next. Sheriff Sam Page, Rockingham County, we appreciate you being with Education Matters today. Thanks for joining Glad us. Glad to be here. Well, we're actually sitting in Reesville High School, which uh, you were just talking This was your high school. You graduated I, I from graduated. There. I'm proud to say I graduated from Reesville Senior High School. Yes, sir. Oh. 1975. Well, wonderful. Well, we're, we're here in Rockingham County today. Uh, we're going to talk to you and, and, and talk to the school superintendent, and, and we'll take a look around the school about school infrastructure needs. Uh, the General Assembly is, um, is considering a, a, a possible statewide bond to help build schools there's also and repair schools there's also a lot of talk about school safety which Absolutely. is why I wanted to talk to you as the sheriff it's obviously always been a priority for you uh, in terms of making sure our students are safe but of course there's been a lot more interest lately the, the horrible shooting in Florida uh, the recent shooting in Santa Fe Texas what kinds of investments are needed um, to make sure that our schools are safer. Well, when you start talking about school safety and security, you're talking about different layers of safety and security. Uh, I've always advocated the first level is to have a school resource officer, and, and, and the governor, of course, put, uh, put us in budget funding for this purpose for school resource officers. But I do think we need to have a school resource officer to push toward everyone in every school we have in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. When you look at a lot of time, your high schools and even some of your middle schools, they're kind of spread out. They're kind of wide open. Uh, open access. We, we need to look at, at, at physical security. We need to look at our doors. We need to look at the access points and we really need to start focusing and funneling people through a central point of entry access point. They do the same thing in Israel. Since 1974 I understand that in about 40 years they've only had about a half dozen assaults on schools but part of that is how they uh, control uh, the entry points the security, actually having a physical presence there, armed presence there, but also they also have the other security countermeasures, the lock systems, the doors and stuff like that. Do you need, do you, does Rockingham County need state resources to do those kind of things? I mean, is this something that can be handled with local resources? I'm going to, I'll just tell you right now, you, when you talk to the commissioners, they're going to tell you that a lot of times they don't have the funding. Uh, we do depend on a lot of times on federal and state dollars to help us do that. My recommendation to the legislature is fund the money to help us bring up the level of security, uh, whether it be our doors, our locking systems, our access points. Uh, there's a question, metal detectors, camera systems for surveillance. Uh, there's several things you can do besides having that school resource officer there that's armed as a physical deterrent. But also, as far as the facilities, yeah, we need to upgrade and we're probably going to have to ask the, the state or the Fed for support in that area. I'm glad to hear that the governor has put in about $130 million in his budget request this year going toward that effort. I don't know if he'll be able to get all that money requested, right. but I think it's a good start. And I would appreciate our legislature supporting those efforts to target hard in our schools. We've got to do it. Schools are soft targets, as they say, and we got to do everything we can uh, to make them more secure and also working inside with the educating our students and educating our teachers and staff about awareness and how we can be better secure. Mm -hmm. Shutting doors, don't leaving doors open and stuff like that. You know the old days, putting a rock there and leaving the door so you can run in and run out. We've got to secure our doors. Right. We've got to control access. And we've got to know who's coming into our schools. And when a threat is made, we've got to look at that. We've got to assess it and we've got to deal with it then. We take all threats serious. Great. Well, we appreciate what you do every day and appreciate the insights on um, how we can help keep our students safe. Thanks so much, Thank Sheriff. You. We appreciate Thank you, sir. When we come back, we're going to continue this discussion about school building needs and possible solutions. But before we go to break, see if you can answer this question. Even though the state is supposed to pay for all school staff and operations and county governments are supposed to cover building costs, last year North Carolina County spent $3.1 billion to fund school personnel locally. 
What percentage of that of North Carolina Public Schools total operating expenses is that? Welcome back to Education Matters. Did you correctly answer C, 26%, even though the state is supposed to provide all funding for school operations, including school personnel, today local governments pay for 26% of school staff across the state. Now we're gonna continue our discussion about school building needs, and I've got a couple of great guests, but I wanna share with you some images. You saw what we talked about in Rockingham County, but these are some that some teachers share with me. This is a, this is a, a mobile unit in Charlotte Mecklenburg School that is ant infested. The teacher said they had to keep uh, uh, children's lunch boxes outside uh, because of uh, ant infestation. This is some asbestos work going on in a music room during the school year. Um, this is another picture coming up. This shows some pretty um, bad termite and ant infestation. This is in a, uh, a media center and classroom in Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools. And this last one uh, is a, sort of a tale of two seasons. Uh, the thermostat on the left is from January the 2nd in Durham um, schools. That's 48 degrees inside the classroom. And then the second one is from May the 3rd in Alamance County, and it was 84 degrees inside the uh, classroom. So these are just some of the conditions that our teachers and our students are having to deal with. So we're gonna talk to a school superintendent and we're gonna talk to a representative from county commissions to get a little bit more insight. Aaron Fleming, you are the superintendent of Harnett County Schools. Uh, welcome back to the show. You've been with us before. Back. Appreciate you. And Mark Richardson. Mark is the current chair of the Education Steering Committee for the North Carolina Association of County Commissioners. You also serve on the County Commission in Rockingham where we visited uh, earlier. So thank you both for being here. All right, well, I want to talk to, uh, Aaron, I want to talk to you first. Um, you heard uh, Superintendent Shotwell talk about the needs in Rockingham County. Give me the rundown for Harnett County. What is the current uh, capital infrastructure needs there? Our current infrastructure needs in Harnett County run about 240 million. That includes new construction and renovations. A lot of the construction and renovations that you heard from Superintendent Shotwell up in Rockingham County really mirrors a lot of, of what we need in, in Harnett County. Uh, if it's not new buildings, then it's uh, uh, certainly some renovations to our older uh, structures. Yeah, we're showing some images right now. These are some pictures you share with us about uh, about some of the uh, conditions in the in the school. And a lot of those needs that you see in Harnett County are around uh, security, uh, okay. controlled access, uh, door locks, security cameras, uh, and, and upgrades to those equipments, th those equipment if we already have them. Um, so we're looking about 240, 240 million uh, in Harnett uh, County. Over five, is that how you're looking at a five-year window? Over about a five-year yeah. plan, right. So, uh, Commissioner Richardson, as you've got a good statewide look in your role with the Association of County Commissioners, what Superintendent Fleming is describing, um, this is going all over the uh, all over the state. Is this something that the county commissions themselves can handle this kind of uh, capital investment? Uh, in general, no. Uh, especially those tier one and tier two counties. There, there's just a deficit of available monies. There is not enough tax base. And uh, I find that most commissioners are very sincere in their desire to help, and most citizens want the best that they can have. Uh, our, the realities are, without the tax base, you can't pay the price. Right. Well, and that's what we, and we we were like I said we were up when we were up in your county. I mean that that number. Uh, you know, uh, I think last year Rockingham County Schools uh, requested $2.8 million. I mean, this is out of the big number. They're what 126 million dollars is what they're saying. 
right now the county is providing less than a million dollars a year for infrastructure or capital outlays. But you're also kind of going back to our question at the break, putting in about $20 million for operating expenses. Well, close to $20 million, uh, and that's typical. Uh, as you know by statute, the counties are supposed to pick up the tab for capital expenditure. Uh, and due to the fact, uh, just flat being unable to, the state has had to pick up more and more of that through the years. Uh, for our county, and I think for many of the tier one and tier two counties, uh, we could probably handle the capital expenditure if we didn't have to cover the operational costs. So it sounds like to me, I mean, you're saying that if the state was, was sort of meeting this, its obligation to fully fund uh, education the way it was designed, the way it's in our constitution, you feel like that uh, the counties could could actually cover what they're supposed to. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to hold short of saying that as a as a blanket. In our county, it would work, and I uh -huh. think in many counties that would work out very well. Uh, and I do know the legislature is looking into it very closely uh, to see if we can at least simplify and give counties the opportunity to have a predictable funding system on which to base their decisions. Right. Well, that's, a, that's a, uh, one of the things they're looking at in addition to the school finance reform, which is what uh, Commissioner Richardson is talking about, I think, is also a school bond. Um, the, the legislature is it's all, it's, it's being considered. Do, doesn't seem like it's actually got a lot of momentum right now. What do you think about the idea of a, of a $2 billion um, uh, school bond statewide? Well, I think statewide it would definitely help. It would it would help in Harnett County as well. I think the interest rates on bonds are are uh, favorable right now uh, to the taxpayers. Uh, but what that would allow us to do, and I'll give you an example in Harnett County, uh, the state bond would bring about 50 million matching dollars to Harnett County, uh, which our commissioners would have to match dollar for dollar. We're a tier two county, and what that would provide is not quite half of our half of our needs. And while the uh, securities, security issue has been on a lot of people's mind, uh, we also have a growth uh, uh, concern in Harnett County where we are uh, a fast growing county. And so how do we also address uh, the new residents and the new children that move into Harnett County as well? So it, it's a decaying infrastructure issue, it's a security issue, but also for Harnett County it's a growth issue as well. And it doesn't sound like to me you can't, I'm gonna put words in your mouth, Harnett County alone can't cover this, the, the kind of cost you're talking about without some kind of infusion whether the bond or uh, additional allocation. That, that's right. Harnett County is a, a true bedroom community. Our residents go into Wake County, into Cumberland, Lee, Johnston County every day to work. So Harnett County uh, doesn't have the sales tax base. Uh, they don't have uh, necessarily even the property tax base to support the new construction and renovations that we right. need. We're, we're almost out of time, but just a last word from you, Commissioner Richardson. You say uh, you're, as far as the bond, you think it would help? Well, I'm sure it would help. I'm not sure it's the best way, but uh, there, I think there's realization, certainly at the county level, of the necessity to and have like you some funding. You and I were talking before we started that I mean, the, the legislature definitely understands these the needs, right? I, I think they do. Right. Uh, and I and if they've got a better way to do it, I, I think that's great. Well, I appreciate both of you. Your insights have been very helpful. We're going to continue watching this as the budget process unfolds. Thanks so much. After the break, this week's leadership spotlight.
Each week, Education Matters spotlights individuals demonstrating exceptional leadership in education in North Carolina based on nominations from you, our viewers. This week, we spotlight Alexandra Zagbayou from a great organization, Student U. We believe that we live in a world that as a result of structural racism and poverty creates systemic barriers for our students who are mostly students of color, who come from homes that have experienced poverty to be successful, and we think that that is wrong. We do think about wealth and who has access to it. We think about a curriculum that is not reflective of the experiences of our students. All of those things show up in a student's experience and are those barriers that our students have to overcome in order to be successful. So we start working with students starting in sixth grade until college graduation. We have an after school program where we see them every day for them to get support with their academics, their schoolwork, as well as making growth. They're matched with advocates who support them and then we have a college advisor and college success coordinators who make sure that our students are applying to the right schools, going to the right colleges, and then will be supported and coached to make sure they graduate from college. College was like a dream that I've always had. I got a scholarship to go to Delaware State for next year, but student you helped me with that, made me realize that it's possible for people who have DACA to go to college. And it's not like some crazy dream that I'll never reach. We have been fortunate that 100% of our classes of high school graduates have graduated. When you think about national statistics for our demographic of students, 11% of low-income students graduate from college, which is alarming. All people are deserving of opportunities that affirm the values of their lives, that we can live in a dream where all people can succeed, the knowledge that we're not there yet and we all have a stake in building that community, that this building becomes a place where that is comes to life. I think this is especially important when working with black and brown students in the context of the society that we live, that they have something to contribute without us and our job is not to almost like add to their lives, which will unleash the potential that is within them. And I think when we think about building counter narratives for communities of color, for young people who are constantly getting messages that you are not good enough, you're not smart enough, you need to assimilate to white normatives in order to be successful, it's really important from the start to say, no, you're brilliant and amazing, period. If you know someone that deserves to be recognized, visit our website, ncforum.org, and click on Education Matters, and you'll find a link to nominate someone in your community. After the break, this week's final word. The needs are obvious. The Department of Public Instruction's 2016 school facility survey found that 118 new schools are needed across North Carolina. Besides new construction, more than 1,500 schools need renovations to comply with safety and building codes, and 459 schools need additions for new classrooms. The fact is we have too many schools that are old, unsafe, or simply just not conducive to learning and teaching. The other thing that is obvious beyond the need, most of our county governments can't afford it on their own. Many of our poorest counties already tax at twice the rate of our fast-growing counties like Wake and Mecklenburg, and it's still not enough. A statewide school bond bill currently being considered makes sense. While the $1.9 billion bond would not address every need, it would certainly make a dent in it, particularly for our lower wealth and rural counties who need it the most. It would also help with the school safety and security measures you heard Sheriff Page talk about earlier. 
As the state debates new ways to fund our schools, doesn't it make sense to tackle this glaring issue now while interest rates are low and construction costs remain relatively cheap? Our students deserve better across the board. Updated textbooks, the latest technology, and yes, even basic classroom supplies. Adequate and safe learning environments certainly belongs at the top of the list. That's it for this week's show. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you soon.